Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is February 8th, 2017. My name is Phil Prosperreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. And we have a busy show for you today as the Orlando Magic fall to the Houston Rockets, 128-104 to over in Houston. Have some thoughts. Well, I'll have a recap of that game. Uh, and then I'll add some thoughts on that as well as... Some thoughts on everyone's favorite player, a player that I probably talk way too much about online, Mario Hizonia. I'll share some thoughts on on him and what direction the Magic should probably go with him uh, as the season moves on. I'm sure that's something everyone's wanting to talk about. People don't like my opinion on him, but I'll I'll, I'll give it anyway because you, you tune into the podcast, you know what you're getting. But before we get going, I do want to say a quick word from our pals at SeatGeek. Yes, they're back. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long, long time. It's It has always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show you want to go to, and none of those older ticket sites want to change that. But SeatGeek, yes, SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. It is so extraordinarily easy. You can literally buy Tickets to the game on SeatGeek, have it on your phone, and go right inside. I've done it literally day of the game for, not the Magic, because I cover Magic games, but for other events, I have literally bought my tickets on SeatGeek day of the game, minutes before kickoff, or before the game starts. It was a soccer game, so I guess it was kickoff, but minutes before kickoff, and was able to get right into the stadium, found seats even in the section with seats that I already had, so a friend could come and join us. Uh, same section, same row, same everything. Not the same seats, but... But, you know, people are nice. They'll, 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 move, around. they'll move down for you, hopefully. Um, SeatGeek is always the first place I go to look for tickets to a game or concert. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. Uh, and as I said, I've used it numerous times to get tickets to the game, even especially when I'm thinking spur of the moment to go to a game. Everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans. SeatGeek does all the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. SeatGeek does all the work and you save time and money. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Best of all, and this is important with everything coming to Orlando, coming to Orlando in the next month, March 5th, Orlando City's opener uh, at their new stadium. You got NCAA tournament March, I think it's 17th and 19th or 18th and 20th. It's 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 in March. It's weekend in March. NCAA tournament's going to be here in Orlando. And of course, the the big one, um, as some of you may or may not know, uh, Goldberg will be fighting Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania at Camping World Stadium. That's going to be the first weekend of April. And of course, WWE is going to have a ton of events. A lot of them are sold out. You want to know what you want to know what NXT is about? NXT Takeover is already sold out. If you want to go to probably the hottest wrestling show in the world, maybe not the world, at least in America, one of the hottest wrestling shows in America. Only way you're going to get it is probably through SeatGeek. So I would listen up here 
my listeners will get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. Here's what you have to do. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab and click add a promo code. Enter the promo code L-O-MAGIC. That's L-O-MAGIC. And SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code L-O-MAGIC today. And that's, of course, a long-winded roundabout way to get to today's topic, and that is the Magic's loss to the Houston Rockets, 128-104. to And, you know, the Rockets are a difficult, unique team to face. They're, they're obviously um, a team, they're going to hoist it from three-point three land like it's nobody's business. They don't care what you think about them. They're going to shoot the ball. And the Magic learned that the first meeting uh, when they shot, uh, uh, I believe, a, an opponent franchise, uh, an opponent record against the Magic, 49 three-pointers. Um, they won that game only 193. It was probably one of the better games the Magic played, but ultimately the offense was not enough. The Rockets got enough threes to go down, and, and they put so much stress on you. And it's very clear from the first time you watch the Rockets that they put a lot of stress on you. And, and from the very beginning, the Rockets were putting the stress on the Orlando Magic. Uh, it was not an easy game by any stretch. Houston went up 35-28 after the first quarter, and that was in the midst of what would become a 20-2 run that essentially put the game away. The Magic were actually up 28-26 at one point in the first quarter. They led by nine points at one point in the first quarter, and it seemed like things were flowing decently well, like the Magic were getting some stops, but generally, Houston was getting whatever they wanted. I mean, it was pretty clear what was going to happen in this game. Harden, James Harden was getting into the paint. Aaron Gordon wasn't quite as sharp defensively as he was in the first meeting between these two teams. Um, the Magic were giving up a lot of rolls and lobs. The communication was very, very poor. Uh, and that's, of course, been a, a common theme for the Magic throughout the season, that, that their communication is poor, that the help side isn't quite where it needs to be. Uh, and that's kind of where the, the, the game was going. The Rockets were going to roll this one out. They're getting three-pointers. It seemed like every mistake the Magic made, whether it was a missed shot, whether it was a turnover, would turn into a three or an easy bucket. That's that's just what the Houston Rockets do. Um, they really tore up the Magic's defense, and when the second unit came in, the, the floor just dropped out, and, and the Magic went down by as much as 27 points. I believe that was early in the third quarter, um, if not in, in the second quarter at some point. I'm, I, I'm going to lose track, obviously. Uh, but the, the Rockets were in firm control of the game, and it was never really in doubt after mid, the midpoint of the second quarter. Um, the Magic's bench just could not withstand everything. Certainly hurt not having Jeff Green on, on the, with the team. Uh, Jeff Green did fly to Houston, but he uh, returned to Orlando because his fiance had their baby daughter. So congratulations to Jeff Green and his family uh, you know, for that. But uh, the team certainly missed him and, and some of his presence. Um uh, in the game, you know, perhaps, perhaps not entirely. I mean, you know, Jeff Green's not the biggest impact, but the Magic definitely felt a little shorthanded in this one um, for a number of reasons, and it only seemed to get worse as the Magic went to the second half as Aaron Gordon left the game with a sore, sore right foot, I believe it was. Uh, I believe it was officially uh, diagnosed, but it, it probably wouldn't have mattered in the end because the Magic were... You know, they, they did pick up the urgency. They did pick up the intensity. Their defense actually throughout much of the second half was okay. Uh, from the beginning of the second half to the middle of the fourth quarter, the Magic gave up 90, uh, 91.9 defensive rating. Um, so they cut that. They cut what was once a 27-point lead down to nine. And they did that by 
you know, Houston got a little sloppy, but the Magic got their stops. They got out in transition. They moved the ball. They started Mario Hazonia in the second half, and we'll talk a little bit more about Mario um, later on in the show in, in a couple of different ways. Uh, but uh, it, it did seem to create some space, and the Magic were able to attack the paint, get some easy buckets, and score. Now, their offense wasn't the best in the second half. It was a 101 offensive rating, uh, but it certainly aesthetically looked a little bit better. Uh, and, you know, maybe that's something the Magic can experiment with as they head into Thursday's game against Philadelphia. But ultimately, Houston put the hammer down. Um, whenever the Magic needed to to get that last shot shot to, to kind of turn that nine-point deficit into seven or six, they missed a shot. Houston came down, got it back up to 12, and that was that. I mean, that that's, that's the kind of team Houston is. And then Houston um, really dominated the pace of play uh, and... Uh, uh, really controlled the tempo of the game for for much of it. Uh, it was never really in doubt. Um, you know, I I, I I would say, and this probably sounds like a cop out, especially for a team that's still trying to make the playoffs. Uh, this was not a game I expected the Magic to win. It's a game you wanted to see them compete, and and the way they played in the first half was not good. It, it, I don't think it was a lack of effort, but it was that general lack of communication, that lack of cohesion that's been missing this year. And, and I, honestly, I would say that about most games this year. It's not a lack of effort. The team is tr- is generally trying hard, but not everyone's on the same page. And so it looks like they're you know in the wrong spots, or you know I think there's certainly a, a frustration level that gets into it as well. It's it's not necessarily just an effort level. It's a it's sometimes it's you know shots aren't falling. It affects your mood your your mood on the defensive end. It affects your 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 energy about the game as well. And I think that's something that the Magic have they, they've struggled with body language throughout the throughout the season as well. And that was certainly true in this game, especially in the second quarter when uh, the Rockets took their lead. Uh, it, it felt very much like the Magic were frustrated. Their shots weren't falling, and it, it affected their defense and and. That's something that can happen, and obviously that's that's probably a big reason why they're 20 and 34. The final score, once again, the Houston Rockets 128, the Orlando Magic 104. A good fight to get it back down to nine, but in the end, not enough to score the victory. Uh, and certainly the Magic have some things to think about as they head home to take on the Philadelphia 76ers on Thursday. Running through some final stats for you, Serge Ibaka, 28 points, 8 rebounds, 13 for 20 from the floor. Generally, a, a very good game. Uh, he made, I think it was, I think he had 17 at the half. Um, d- did his work offensively. I don't think he necessarily helped others. Uh, and in the third quarter, early in the third quarter especially, the Magic tried to isolate him and just because they just needed offense, and, and that didn't work. He, he He's very good at getting his offense within the flow of the offense on ball reversals and, and kind of quick, quick post-ups when he kind of tries to size people up and then the ball stops at him. That's when he's not effective. Uh, I think that's something the Magic have learned throughout the season, but, you know, Ibaka will still kind of indulge himself with a few of those shots, too. And so that's kind of the continuing theme with him. Uh, overall, a good game. I thought there were some defensive rotations that he wasn't great at. Um, this is a team, that I think, that that makes him a little uncomfortable because they have so many shooters. Um, it's it's tough for him to be around the paint where he wants to be. And I think, I mean, I think that's that's generally the struggle with him. Nikola Vucevic, 14 points, 19 rebounds. Not super involved in the offense, but did a great job on the glass. I thought did a good job defensively as well. Um, you know, he still has his moments in pick and rolls where he doesn't look like he he's he's guarding pick and rolls particularly well. But generally, I felt like he was uh, trying to be in the right spot. He was, you know, protecting the rim, and obviously the rebounds speak for themselves. That's being in good positioning uh, and digging out digging out rebounds. And I thought he generally did that and was a big part of the reason why the Magic came back in that third quarter 
and uh, made it made it a game or, or made them sweat. Evan Fournier, twenty one points, seven for sixteen shooting, six for six from the from the foul line. But I think the big thing here, and this is what we'll talk about in just a moment, Fournier shoots one for eight from beyond the arc. Still doesn't seem quite right. Still seems like he's forcing some things, but generally, uh, Fournier is getting back in the swing of things. It's it's still it's still coming a little bit for him, but um, got to get that three point shooting up. That's that's a big reason why he's he's on the floor and a big thing that the Magic need from him, as as I'll explain in just a bit. For the Rockets, James Harden scores twenty five points, thirteen assists. Trevor Ariza, 20 points, 4 for 9 shooting from beyond the arc to lead the Rockets as they win 128 to 104. As I noted, though, a big, big part of the Magic's loss is that three point shooting. Evan Fournier shooting 1 for 8 from beyond the arc is a big, big hit to the Magic. Because especially against a team like Houston that that can score three pointers with ease, and it was with ease at times. I mean, they got a lot of open looks. If they're going to keep pace and give their defense a chance, they got to make open shots when they get them. They got to make the get the threes when they get them. That's been the general problem for the Magic all year, and it's not so much that. The Magic have to be a three-point shooting team. Yeah, they they entered the, the season knowing they weren't going to be a good three-point shooting team. But they at least need to have the threat of a three-pointer because they haven't been able to, to create space for drives and create space for easy baskets off of post-ups, off of ball reversals, off of pick-and-rolls. Certainly there have been times and Alfred Payton's been great attacking the basket. Um, that seems to have slowed down a little bit in this in this last stretch, especially since Evan Fournier came back. Um that seems to have slowed slowed down just a bit, uh, and has made it uh, uh, and has made it harder for the Magic to get easy looks at the basket. Um, you know, especially when they're not getting stops and getting out in transition, it's tough to get the Magic easy baskets. And, and one way to do that is by spacing. And like I said, everyone knew the Magic would would be weak at that, but it seemed especially acute when compared to maybe the big outlier in three point shooting in the Houston Rockets. Orlando shot 6-for-25 from beyond the arc in Tuesday's game, compared to Houston shooting 16-for-38. Not only is that a huge percentage disparity, I mean, if the, the, if the Magic shot 42% on 25 attempts, that would be 10, that would be 11 three-pointers. So, you know, now they're in the game. But to, to give up 10 points, that's 30 points that, that you can't get back. And considering the Rockets do such a good job getting to the foul line, that's... You know they they had ten more free throws in this in this game ten more free throw makes in this game than the Magic did. Ten, um, that those are points that are tough to get back, and you have to be very very efficient. and And the Magic, you know, kept themselves or couldn't keep themselves in the game because they they couldn't keep up, and, and their defense doesn't help them right now. But focusing solely on the offense, that lack of spacing is showing itself more and more. the The bottom line with this team is by Almost any statistical measure, they're the wor- they're one of the worst offenses in the league. They're 29th in the league in offensive rating. The the only team that's worse is the team that's coming in Thursday in the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, this is a team that has had its moments offensively, but generally is going to struggle to score. Uh, and the Magic have to find a way to either keep scores low 
or get out and transition and and score easy baskets. And a big reason for that is they're just unable to space the floor. You look at their starting lineup. You look, I mean, they're, they're, you look at their starting lineup, and it's Alfred Payton, who's a non-shooter, less than thirty percent from beyond the arc. Evan Fournier, who's a respect, respected shooter, he's a shooter. Aaron Gordon, having a career year by, behind the arc, but still less than thirty percent from beyond the arc, or if not, I mean, he just kind of sunk under thirty percent. He struggled a little bit of late. Um, he was slightly, I mean, he's he was hovering around thirty percent for most of the year. Um, even with even with his attempts increased. Serge Ibaka is a good three-point shooter, but you need wings. You need at least two wings, two wings in a stretch four or three wings who can shoot the ball to properly space things to allow for drivers. And if you can get four shooters on the floor, Nikola Vucevic is a good mid-range jump shooter, um, still developing his three-point shot. But if you can, I mean, it's tough to, to, to create space when... It's tough to create space for driving when when teams know they can pack the paint and you're going to miss an open three-pointer or contested three-pointer or be hesitant to take that shot. You can close out kind of under control. What you want is guys running out to the three-point line. If you're not going to take a three, what you want is guys running out to the three-point line so you can pump fake them and drive past them and create more chaos. That's what the Rockets do. And the Magic simply can't do that right now. And yes... It is a weakness everyone recognized the Magic would have when the season began. This team was going to struggle to score, and this team was going to struggle to shoot. They just didn't have the shooters for it. The only player on the team that's shooting better than 40% from beyond the arc is Jody Meeks. And when you break down the numbers even further, Orlando is currently 28th in the league in three-point field goal percentage, but 14th in three-point attempts per game. They're essentially one of the worst teams in the league at making threes, yet they take about the league median in three-point field goal attempts per game. That's obviously not the correct formula. And Frank Vogel said he wants players taking a shot that they feel they can make 40% of. And, of course, the problem with this is only one player is shooting 40% from beyond the arc right now, and that's Jody Meeks. The Magic are struggling to to find a good balance with their three-point shot. And it's such an important part of the game. And I think something that was noticeable, and 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 I think I thank the Orlando Magic Daily staff for, for pointing this out. When the Magic had to start Mario Hazonia and play Mario Hazonia for most of the second half it did create some space on the floor in a way that, that Damian Rudej could not. I mean, perhaps, you know, and, and Mario Zonia is still not a great three-pointer. He was three for six for the game, one for two from beyond the arc uh, on Tuesday. But teams certainly probably still respect him, respect his three-point shot even though he struggled to shoot from there. Maybe that changes, but... Maybe this is also a way for him to get back into the rotation. I don't know what the answer to Hazonia is, and, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about Hazonia in just a moment. But I think what what Tuesday's game shows and, and what statistics clearly show and what everyone kind of senses is, is very clear is the Magic need to focus on adding some shooting. It's okay if you think Aaron Gordon 
is a core piece to your future, whether it's at the three or the four. Uh, we'll, we'll leave that debate for another day, but it, it's okay to feel that way. But the Magic need to find a way to add some shooting. They they you know they tried adding Channing Fry, and and while Channing Fry did shoot a, a career best three point percentage while he was with Orlando, um, and at least his first year in Orlando, there were definitely problems there too, especially defensively. And maybe that works out better now than it did then, but I, I don't. I maybe it probably doesn't. It's not only that they need to be better shooting three pointers; they need to use it more effectively. They need to get better looks at three at, from three pointer. And generally, you know, I looked at it entering the game on entering the game on Tuesday. The Magic had taken the majority of their shots, you know, pretty open. Pretty their three point shots are pretty open, and and they're missing them. So it's not that they're taking bad three-pointers right now. They're just not hitting them, and, and that's a problem, especially if you're going to take, you know, the 14th most three-pointers in the NBA. You can't be a bad three-point shooting team, especially with the offensive deficiencies that the team has. Three-point shooters make life easier for everybody. If you can get guys with multiple skills, even better. But you do just need knockdown shooters, and... People have made, people made the argument that the Magic were better with Jody Meeks, and and I do agree. The Magic miss Jody Meeks right now because he spaces the floor. You throw him in there, and defenses have to shift to him, and be aware of where he is. And the Magic are missing that on this roster. The Magic simply don't have it on the roster right now, and that's something that they've got to fix. We know the trade deadline's coming up. And I think shooting is going to be a target of theirs. We know the draft is coming up. And it's looking like the Magic are going to have a high draft pick. I can certainly tell you I am already seeing the excitement and the push from fans to go get Malik Monk. I'm always best player available. I, I'm, I'm still withholding judgment on, on Monk at this point. But that has to be the focus for the team. Because that's what's going to fill in the gaps and make this team a team rather than a collection of players. Because, you know, we all know these pieces don't fit together. And it seems like the missing ingredient is just some space. Some space for Peyton to operate. Some space for Peyton to drive. Some space for Gordon to get into the post and, and play the four offensively, if not the entire time. I mean, that, that, that's a debate again for another day. But everyone needs some space to attack and and play game, play their game. You know, people, you know, I don't want to relitigate the Victor Oladipo trade, but people want to say, you know, Victor Oladipo is playing better, he's shooting a better percentage in Oklahoma City. I'm not sure he does that in Orlando with this lack of space. He's able to do that in Oklahoma City, largely because Russell Westbrook sucks defenses in by his, you know, sheer force of gravity and will. His ability to get into the paint draws people in and creates open opportunities. Players are better because of Russell Westbrook. The Magic don't really have that. Have that guy that forces double teams, that forces defenses to react in that way. And so maybe finding some shooting is the way to do that. It's certainly a need the Magic have, and, and I think that it was made more evident uh, in Tuesday's game when, when you see kind of the extreme of what great shooting can do. It rips your defense apart. If you have one guy that can pick and roll people to death, and distribute the ball with four shooters around him, or three, or even three shooters around him, three knockdown shooters around him, you can tear apart a defense. And James Harden is elite. 
And, and I'm not saying it's, it would be easy to, mo- to mimic what the Rockets do. But that's kind of the basic basketball strategy right now. And the Magic zigged when everyone zagged. And right now they're zigging their way down the standings. So I think going a little bit more of a conventional route is probably the way the Magic need to go. Or they need to think of a more inventive offense that will create looks through cutting and motion, which is just something they, they don't do right now. That might be a conversation for another day. But like I said, kind of what spurred this thought was Mario Hazonia getting getting his chance a little bit uh, in this game. Uh, Hazonia started the second half with 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 Gordon out with the injury and Green back home to be with, to be with his fiance, um, and Hazonia is a little bit of an obsession among fans, and, and certainly I think it's it's somewhat warranted at, you know, being a former fifth overall pick, the Magic invested a lot in him. They passed on a lot of players that are playing well and contributing to their teams, and Hazonia seems to be the only bust of the bunch. And I think it's still early to call him a bust, but at the same time, the Magic were trying to win basketball games, and Hizonia struggled to do the things the Magic needed him to do. When you look at the way Hizonia played when he was in the rotation, he really struggled defensively. He really struggled with his shot. It was hard to say what his NBA skill was. And very quickly, the opportunity for him closed. It was within two, three weeks of the season that... Hazonia was no longer playing. It was DNPCD most of the time. And, and it looked like he was going to be a DNPCD. Uh, d- did not play coach's decision on Tuesday until injury set. And he got his opportunity. And even when Hazonia was in the rotation and given another chance uh, when the Magic were out on the West Coast, he didn't really do much with the opportunity. At the same time, it still feels like Hazonia's been very limited. And I think in uh, an, an article that, that I'll post up on the Facebook page as well as on, on the Locked On Magic Twitter account, uh, so be sure to follow us on on Twitter at Locked On Magic, as well as on Facebook at Locked On Magic. Um, uh, one of our writers on Orlando Magic Daily, Muhammad Jumani, uh, wrote, you know, lack of opportunity is stunting Mario Azonia's growth. And I think that is a fair assessment. Most of last year, Mario Azonia was kind of kind of held with, you know, a little bit of a leash. He makes a few defensive mistakes. Scott Skiles was going to pull him, sit him down, talk to him, and, you know, see if he corrects it the next time. Frank Vogel hasn't really done the same. You know, and, and no one seems to know the reason why. Certainly his production hasn't been good. That's that's a good place to start. He hasn't produced, and this is a te- this is a season that's very much like last season. This season is very much about results, getting wins, and if Azonia doesn't help you win, it's tough to play him. And his defense has been troubling. I I I've seen him make the same defensive mistakes over and over again. He'll ball watch too much. He'll dig in on the ball and leave his man open for three. And he he's guarding three point shooters and. They will hit threes in his face as he's trying desperately to recover. He'll 
guard his man, get the first stop, kind of relax, and get, then get beat on the second effort. And, you know, that's either something he's got to learn that's that's not ingrained yet, or, you know, it, it, yeah, I don't know what it is. And he hasn't been able to counteract that by being able to shoot the ball effectively. I mean, his three-point field goal percentage is terrible this year. And it's question, I mean, uh, you know, I question, you know, it's very easy to question whether he is a capable three-point shooter at this level. But it is fair to say, Hazonia hasn't gotten consistent minutes. It's hard to give him credit for anything. And those first two weeks, when you first two or three weeks when he was in the rotation, that could be the outlier. And if you put him in the rotation, you give him consistent minutes, you give him a consistent role, you run some plays for him, maybe he becomes more engaged and maybe he gets back to at least where he was last year as a rookie, where he was averaging six, seven points per game, was good for a big game every so often, was a reliable three-point shooter. You know, that, that rookie player is still in there somewhere too. And if he can get back to that level, that's a, that's another, you know, that, that would be that would be at least a start to, to, to finding his place on this team. The reality, though, for Mario Hazonia is he's probably not going to play until the team's ready to pack it in for the season, or essentially pack it in for the season. I think it's a very fair criticism of Frank Vogel that he has been unwilling to experiment. As the team has continued to struggle this year, he has not tried new things to try and get them going. A lot of people will point to, you know, maybe he should start Aaron Gordon at the four just because nothing else has worked. Play that Gordon Ibaka lineup with the, at the four or five. Um, just because nothing else has worked. Play Mario Hazonia some, just because nothing else has worked. And I think that's a fair criticism of, of Vogel and the way he's handled Hazonia. Again, we don't always see everything that goes on. They're, they're, they practice. And if is not performing in practice, it's hard for a coach to trust him. There will come a point, though, and I think we're getting there, I would argue we're already there, but the Magic probably won't. We're going to get to a point, though, where the Magic are... or the Magic no longer feel they can make the playoffs. And that's probably the point where we'll start seeing Mario Zonia playing regular minutes and being featured and developed a little bit more. And it may be over the last 20 games and maybe over the last 15 games. And maybe after the All-Star break, when the trade deadline hits, and, and if he's still on the team, uh, you know, the, the team opts to, to free up some minutes for him. Whether it's saying, you know, Jeff Green, you know, thanks for your service. We're going we're gonna to play Mario a little bit more now. It's... You know, opportunity is something that a young player needs. Young players need the opp- need the chance to go out and make mistakes, play through their mistakes, learn from them, go back out and do it again. And the unfortunate reality of Mario Zonia's situation is he came to a team, he, he was a young player that needed a lot of development, and, and the Magic knew that. He was a little bit of a project. They thought his shooting would keep him on the floor, uh, and and he would develop the rest of his game while he was playing. 
But the Magic were at a point where they wanted to win and win bad. And Hazonia just wasn't ready to contribute seriously to a winning team. Not without more stable pieces, at least. If this were the second year of the rebuild rather than the fourth or fifth, Hazonia would have gotten all the opportunities that that Victor Oladipo got and Alfred Payton got to play through their mistakes. The, rea- the reality is the Magic expected Hazonia to come in and add shooting immediately. That's pretty much why they drafted him. And he would fill out the rest of his game as he played. And that shooting piece was there last year, and I think that kept him on the floor and kept him getting chances. That shooting piece hasn't been there this year. And I think that's why it's been very tough to play him, because his defense is, uh, is, if better, marginally better. Not much better. And he doesn't really contribute much to the game as far as trying to win. When the team is done chasing this playoff dream, and again, they prob- you know fans would argue, and I would agree, they might already be there. And they need to, even if they're trying to get to the playoffs, they need to try something new. Because what they keep throwing out there isn't working. But when they get to that point, that's when Hazonia will get his chance. And I think, while this season has been extremely disappointing for Hazonia, and certainly for fans who, who believe the Magic have invested a lot in Hazonia, and they've invested a lot in, in seeing him succeed. And, and again, I, I, I want to see him succeed. It, it sounds like I, I'm killing the guy and... You know, he hasn't played well this year. That's 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 the bottom line. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know how else to say it other than he just he sucked this year. That doesn't mean I don't believe he can be a, a good player, but for what the Magic need, they can't throw him out there. At least, I mean, again, I think we're past that point. I think they should throw him out there. And see what he can do. But just don't expect the team to win because of it. Because I don't think he's he's ready to contribute at that level yet. Otherwise, he'd be playing. The time will come for Mario Azonia. Whether it's with the Magic or not. Certainly, I, I, I do think the Magic are trying to shop him and, and get, him out, get him out here and, and get him somewhere where he can get an opportunity. But Hazonia will get his opportunity. If he stays with the Magic, he will get his chance. Because there does come a time in a season where winning is not as important as developing young players. And when that opportunity comes, like it did Tuesday night, when that opportunity comes, Hazonia needs to prove that that he still belongs in this league and that he can contribute. And hopefully some consistent playing time will show that he can. And we'll sit back and say, you know, Vogel wasn't wasn't patient enough and didn't give him a chance. And that was a mistake of many in this 2017 season. Uh, I'm personally very skeptical of that. I, I do think there's a reason he's not playing. Um, I think it's evident from his statistics, and I think it's evident from watching him play that there's a reason he's not playing. And and even in Tuesday's game when he got a lot of minutes, and I do think he helped space the floor a little bit. I do agree with that with that assessment. He was very invisible to me on offense and defense. And and they didn't run a lot of plays for him. He he kind of stayed in the corner. 
which is fine. Uh, and he wasn't a negative defensively. I would put it that way. But he's he's got a long way to go. And, and yeah, opportunity is going to help him grow a little bit. But the question the question for him is, why didn't that happen in practice? Why couldn't he show it when he did get opportunity? What's going to be different about an opportunity when there are no stakes to win than when there are? Is it merely a, a, a bit of usage or minutes? And I think that's a big question for, for Mario Azonia as he, as he moves on to this next stage of his career and, and trying to hold on to his to his place in the NBA. And there, there are precious few places in the NBA. And I, I, Hazonia's got one more year left on his deal. Uh, the, the Whoever holds his rights can pick up a team option for the fourth year of his deal. Um, right now, it's not looking like the Magic will pick up that option, which is saying something for, for the former fifth overall pick. The talent's there. But right now, he's closer to his full floor than his ceiling. And, and, and that's certainly concerning. I want to thank everyone again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Went a little bit long today, but some some good topics to discuss, and hopefully I got my thoughts out on Mario Zonia pretty clearly. I get into lots of fights about Zonia online and within the Magic Orlando Magic Daily staff. Like I said, I think we're past the point. I think he should be playing. I'm not expecting him to, to play well. I, I, I would put it that way. I do think there's a reason he's not playing. But um, that's neither here nor there. Let us know what you think. You can contact the show by Twitter, at LockedOnMagic. You can find us on Facebook as well, at LockedOnMagic. So let us know what you think. Uh, if you don't want that stuff publicly, if you want to ream me out and curse me out uh, uh, privately, you can email the show at omagicdaily at gmail.com. The Orlando Magic Daily mailbag is open, hoping to answer questions by next weekend uh, at the All-Star break. So uh, send me your questions uh, for the Orlando Magic Daily mailbag. You can, again, tweet tweet them at me, at LockedOnMagic. You can tweet them at me at Omagic Daily as well, uh, and you can also leave them in the comments to any podcast, and I'll, I'll pick it up and put it in the mailbag as well. Um, you can also, uh, if you have any uh, any any business or, or advertisement inquiries, you can also contact the show at omagicdaily at gmail.com. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter at omagicdaily, and be sure to check out in the archives on iTunes, Audio Boom, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you download your podcast. Check out in the archives yesterday's episode of Locked On Magic, where we chatted with Keith Smith of Real GM for a uh, uh, trade deadline preview. It was a little bit more than an hour episode. Uh, a good look at what the Magic are going to do uh, heading into the NBA trade deadline. Should be a busy one for the Magic. We are now two weeks away as of Thursday. Um, today's Wednesday, right? I, I forget what day it is. It's the NBA season right now. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, we'll be back tomorrow with another episode of Locked on Magic. Until then, I'll see you next time here on Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99. 
and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.